Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Landscape Nerd Podcast. My name is Macy, and I am your host. Today's episode is going to be the Thai Gardens episode that I had originally recorded for Patreons only. But I am going to be very busy the next couple of weeks, and I'm not going to be able to get to the July episode that I was intending on. My family and I are making a rather spontaneous cross-country move back to Northeast Ohio, and I am very excited, but for now, we can all travel together to Thailand and enjoy learning about some Thai gardens together. I hope you enjoy the episode, and I will talk to you soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Landscape Nerd Podcast. I am your host, Macy Nelson. On this podcast, we nerd out about everything landscape. I try to find fun and new topics, or maybe they're not that new to you, but we're just going to take a deep dive into anything we want to, and we learn a lot together about landscape design, landscape architecture, the people who tend to landscapes, and different types of gardens. Now, I am not an expert by any means on these topics, however, I am a nerd which means my curiosity knows no bounds, and I cannot wait to research and study and nerd out and then come talk to you about it. So let's get started. Today's episode is about Thai gardens. This episode is extremely personal to me because it's rooted in family. For listeners who are not aware, I have mixed heritage. My mother is from Thailand and my father is African-American and he's from the U.S. And I have grown up seeing Thai gardens in both the U.S. and in Thailand. But recently, this episode took on a whole different meaning for me, especially as the number of hate crimes against Asian-Americans has surged. And not only has the spike in hate crime shaken me as a person of Asian descent, but also as a professional. People are being attacked in public spaces. These places designed by people in my profession and adjacent professions to promote connectivity and access. And of course, with the passing of Mr. Fisha, the Thai man who was senselessly killed in the street on his daily walk, this episode is dedicated to him and anyone else who has lost that sense of security or agency while walking in public. I will walk you through of the Thai gardens from my family. I have done an episode on African-American gardens, and I referenced my grandmother's garden. In this episode, Thai gardens, I get to reference my grandmother's garden and my aunt's gardens. I'm really looking forward to it. In the United States, my aunt lived only 10 minutes away from me. And her garden was much more of that informal celebration of variety of plants. So she had very traditional American plants like roses and daisies. Um, But she also in her container gardens placed throughout her border, she would have Thai plants that grow okay here, like basil and jasmine. But mostly... It was just a variety of whatever she could find and it was just celebrating everything that you could grow but using the containers as a way to decorate the garden but also bring them inside if the plants were doing well and you wanted to keep them safe i remember seeing all of her roses and jasmines and i was so in awe and i just loved them of course i touched everything and learned the hard way about roses having thorns 
and definitely about the beauty of the way that they smelled. But roses aren't exactly a common flower that you would find in Thailand. However, it is extremely close to the same type of vibrant pops of color that you would find in the flowers of the tropical rainforest. My other aunt, who lives in Chiang Mai, in the northern part of Thailand, has a quite extensive garden. On their estate, they have lots and lots of mango trees and and avocados, uh, just tons of plantings, and it's a much more formal garden. But what I love is that the mango trees are planted on the border of her property, And so when the trees begin to fruit, they often hang over the other side of the fence and people will come up and just harvest from the trees on the side of her fence. And she's not upset about this at all. It's really great. It's just very like, great, take those so that I don't have to deal with the fruit drop on that side. And she can only, she only has to deal with the fruit drop on the inside of her fence. So it's a very giving place, and that's what I've always taken from it. So in my grandmother's garden, it is quite a refuge. As soon as you step outside the house, you could kind of look at it as an open patio that there were containers everywhere. One mango tree and lots and lots of native shrubs. This is a garden that you would hand water. It was part of a meditative practice to go outside with her, with my grandma, and have her water the plants and hear the birds chirping and her cat meowing in the background, trying to stay away from the water. All along the edge, it seems like there's an endless amount of small containers and pots, some having plants, some not. It was like a little urban oasis to have this bit of solitude and quiet right outside of one of the busiest cities in the world. Actually, in the middle. My grandmother and grandfather bought that house before Bangkok was the sprawling urban jungle that it is now. And so when they bought it, it was on the outskirts. But that was over 70 years ago. And as the city grew and that one residential street was swallowed into the city, it still remains this little piece of calm. And I remember being able to sit out in the garden and wait every morning for the noodle stand to come by. I'm probably going to make myself sound really silly here, but I don't care. I remember there was this noodle cart that would come by every morning and my aunt and mom would call him Kok Kok. And that's how they translate it to me because he would clank two wooden pieces together and it makes a sound like Kok Kok. And it was a way for you to know that he was coming down your street. And so every time I heard it, it was like the ice cream truck to me. Like honestly, ice cream trucks, oh, they're cool, but that is not what gets me to hop up out of my chair and run out to the street. It is Kok Kok. And I don't know if anyone else can relate to that, but that's how I remember spending every morning waking up, watering plants, waiting, hanging out with my grandma, and then hearing the noodle guy come, getting noodles for the entire family, and then going to eat breakfast. It makes me think that backdrops and settings of your stories and your memories are 
vital. I don't know if we think about that enough, but I hope we do. The thing about these gardens that I'm talking about, the ones that are in my family's homes, they're not perfect. They're not manicured, but they evoke so much life and bounty and just this sense of abundance because of the amount of growth that happens in this climate that their imperfect messiness is just a great thing to look at and it's also a huge contrast to a lot of western style gardens that are extremely manicured not to say that there aren't highly manicured gardens in thailand i'll get to that in a little bit but these are the type of gardens that made me fall in love with the thai style when i would see these gardens as i visited temples and homes of friends and family i really fell in love with these places and i couldn't quite figure it out as a child but as an adult i started to research them and i was visiting more often and i started to understand that these thai gardens have such a unique style that it makes me so happy i love them i love everything about it so let's talk a little bit more about what makes thai gardens so special thai gardens like many gardens will reflect the region in which they are located so Thai gardens have a lot of variety included in their plant palette because of their tropical location. So Thailand's located in Southeast Asia, and to give some perspective on what the weather is like there, if you take the USDA hardiness zones as an example, you'll see that a place like Cleveland is zone six, or Maine, which is much more north, is zone one, but Los Angeles is like nine to 11. So if we use that same standard, that makes Thailand around a zone 13, very hot, very humid, very tropical. They use their regional tropical growing conditions to their advantage. The gardens tend to be open air. And when I say that it's open air, I know you're thinking, of course it is. It's a garden, it's outdoors, it is open air. But what I mean is that the organization and the layout of these gardens tend to have a looser edge condition. There's not strong borders all the time. If you're looking at the garden within the property, it's organized to integrate with all the different spaces that are utilized within the area so that it's an easy flow of in and out of the garden space. The weather conditions tend to be quite good except for in the rainy season or sometimes when it's too hot, but for the most part, being outside is very comfortable. So a lot of palaces or temples, official buildings, homes, or even restaurants are open air. And this is taken into account when designing the garden because they emphasize views that are coming from so many different directions when you are operating in an open air community. The view seen from inside the garden looking out is just as valuable as the view of looking into the garden from afar. So even from the mountains and beaches to the rice fields and the valleys, you're focusing on your views coming in and the views looking out. Generally, Thailand is split up into different regions. You have the northern Thailand, central Thailand, the south and also kind of like the coast with the islands and then also the valleys which are interspersed throughout the entire country one signature that i've noticed with thai gardens is that there is a threshold or a focal point 
And sometimes they are the same thing. So many of these places have something that you're going to be walking through or looking towards in order to cross. Uh, So that's what I define as the threshold. Usually the material is very ornate or it's a larger structure like a pavilion of some kind. But sometimes it's even smaller, like a shed or a mini pavilion or like a sign that just showcases that you are in a Thai garden. But what I think is interesting about these little structures is that they have a variety of meaning. So pavilion structures tend to be extremely ornate in all of Thailand. The Thai style is so beautiful with their pavilions that we even have a few in the U.S. and they're very celebrated. But the pavilions are very practical. Sometimes they house a meeting place like we use pavilions for, you know, in the U.S., but sometimes it's also used as a way to shelter items from the sun, like water that you would use for the garden, or if it's a drinking station, right, you would house it underneath a pavilion to keep it shaded and cool so that you can actually have some cool water when you are working out in the garden. The organization of a Thai garden varies a lot from formal to informal. So when I've visited places like temples or palaces, it's a very formal garden, very geometrical, very maintained and hedged uh, and highly manipulated to achieve a look, which which makes sense with places that have a lot of status to uphold and also have the income or money to have a high maintenance garden versus places that have culinary or herb gardens that I would see in my relatives' homes very different. A lot of those were also geometrical in the sense that they bordered lawns or bordered buildings. It was something that was very functional and they would grow all sorts of things. And it wasn't necessarily about being pretty and it wasn't necessarily about the form. It was about being able to access these variety of plants that are able to grow or represent what you can grow in Thailand. So Those are two different styles, but they both represent variety. Another key feature in Thai gardens is water. Geographically, there's water all over Thailand. And like I said, it's very tropical, it's very humid, it's in the middle of a rainforest, and water is extremely important. Not only is it a natural resource, but it's also used in many rituals to indicate blessings and a way to give blessings. Monks will often use holy water and and splash people who come to pray and to meditate as a way to bless them. And also it is a key feature in celebrations such as Songkran. It is known as a giant water fight, but it's like everyone blessing each other, spraying the water, honoring each other and acknowledging ourselves as a community. And to honor the water resources, you will find many gardens have lily and lotus ponds or they have ponds that also act as reservoir for the garden. So like a side pond to your estate. Uh, You also find that there are smaller features all over, especially as more development happens in the country. A lot of these gardens became smaller and smaller for everyone to have access to one or everyone just using their small piece of land to cultivate a Thai garden. They incorporated little water fountains and also what are called water jars. And with a lot of water and a ton of plant material, you can guess what comes next. Moss. 
So moss will naturally develop in a lot of these places. And if you go back and listen to my moss episode, you'll know moss is everywhere. And in tropical places, a lot of humidity, a lot of shade as well as sun, you find all different types of mosses and they grow over a lot of structures and it just looks so beautiful. And that is our segue into other types of plant material that are abundant in Thailand and in Thai gardens. So first things first, palms all sorts of palms. Palms do grow extremely well and they are, I will use this word a lot, (laughs) there's such a large variety of them. And the amount of diversity of plant types within each species is insane, but they can grow. So you have complete palm gardens that line estates. Canopy trees are a lot of these palms, but they also have these smaller dwarf structures. It's great. Also, same thing, ferns. Ferns are plenty in these style gardens. If they can grow them, they will. They just thrive there. And then there's also flowers, and we cannot forget the Thai orchid. Orchids in Thailand, whether they are the native species or these hybrids, grow so well, and they are just a symbol of the land's fertility and also being auspicious and offering this voluntary detail into the garden year round. Some of my favorite plants are jasmine and orchids, but also this tiny little water plant called the water poppy. It is just really cute and I want one, but I do not want to kill it. So I will let it live happily in Thailand out in the open where it's happy. The next element in Thai gardens that we should talk about is the hardscaping. In landscape, I know we need to talk about it more because there's so much detail that can happen with these hardscaping materials that the more we know, the more diverse, the more interesting and accessible we can be when we design these spaces. In Thailand, it's very unique because they look at access in a different way. So hardscaping comes in a lot of forms in there. What I've noticed is that there are a lot of permeable pavers, which is great. It's environmentally friendly, but also you have to look at slip resistance. There is a massive rainy season. And as I mentioned, there's a lot of moss that goes around places. So hardscape, while beautiful and can be great, using hardscape has to be done very intentionally. So what you'll see is that there are covered areas. You'll have terracotta tiles, which are great and they're easy to clean and they look beautiful. But outside of that, you might have stepping stones as your pathways, but they are almost always set flush to lawn or grass because when you want to walk, say during the rainy season, walking easily around the stepping stones is a safer bet and has more traction than walking on stepping stones during the rainy time. So safety is a, is a huge concern, but it's also just about access. Another thing you'll find in Thai gardens is the crazy amount of detail. So whether you're stopping because you're looking at a flower that is just so beautiful or whether you're resting because it's hot out and you're looking out into the garden and you see different pieces of artwork or the tiling is extremely ornate and has a mosaic or there's sculptures placed all around the area. These are the type of details that mean so much to the character of a Thai garden. A lot of times you will see containers and container gardening incorporated with the landscape plantings. And then another detail that 
does not know any sort of scale would be the topiary art that you go see featured. So topiary is the art of practice of clipping shrubs or trees into these ornamental shapes. And in Thailand, that often means animals. It's cool. It's crazy. I think it's mind blowing. As always, I wish we could visit these places together and I wish I could take you with me, but I'll do my best here. One garden that I did study intensely while I was in school was a place called Wat Palat, and it was in Chiang Mai, halfway up the mountain of Doi Sutep. So it was like a rest on the trek all the way up the mountain to the top of the mountain where the temple sits. So this small resting temple is quite beautiful and it's tucked away and it feels hidden. I actually found it by accident. My brother and I were on a trip to Thailand together. I'd use the restroom. I got lost and we just found a trail and walked mindlessly through the rainforest. We came upon the roof of a structure that would then lead us to the rest of the grounds of this temple. So while we were there, we decided to take it as a place to also rest. We saw some other tourists there and we did see like a camera crew. So we knew that people were allowed to be here at least. So we walked around, uh, we saw some monks, we paid our respects and we sat and we sketched and wrote uh, and just use it as a place to relax. And I took note of all of the materials and the plants that were used because at the time I hadn't decided I was going to go into landscape architecture yet, but I just loved plants and gardens. So I was sketching a lot of the fronds that I could see. I took note of all the little ant trails and looking out towards probably my favorite view in the entire world. There's this small waterfall that turns into a creek that flows through the site. It almost bisects it completely. So there are a lot of little bridges that cross over the waterfall. But my favorite is that right at the lip of the waterfall, you can sit and look out and see the entire city of Chiang Mai perfectly framed underneath palm trees. It's incredible. And I don't even know if I have a picture of it. It's probably one of the few times where I was really captivated <laughs> and too distracted to take a picture. But if I did, I will definitely share it with you. So if anyone finds themselves wandering on the mountain in Chiang Mai, on their way up to Doi Sutep, then maybe take a stop by. I would highly recommend it. If you're enjoying the podcast, please go visit the website, www.thelandscapenerd.com. Also follow me on Instagram and send me messages or email me at thelandscapenerd at gmail.com. Do you have ideas for episodes or is there something that you want to know about? Let me know and then I can nerd out about it and then we can all nerd out about it together. That's what this is about. So yes, thank you everyone for listening and keep learning. I will talk to you soon. Goodbye.